It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how our ultimate crossover edition surges ahead today with your Green Bay Packers, your NFC North division champion Green Bay Packers, your 13-3 and playoff winner Green Bay Packers. Let's not forget those as we look ahead to what's going down in the NFC with the Packers and why I think they are the favorites again in 2020. There are a bunch of reasons. If you listened to our show yesterday with Minnesota, they're going to have to lose a number of key players for them. The Bears, I think, are going to have to cut salary, which means getting rid of some starters. And meanwhile, Green Bay, if they re-sign Brian Bulaga and Mason Crosby, can bring back all of their preferred starters and add to that group with draft talent with some guys in free agency and the free agent bit is something that I that I want to bring up because I I put this out there on Twitter yesterday and I got some pushback from people because I mentioned as we talked on the show yesterday we talked about Brian Gutekunst willing to throw resources at problem areas and people got mad about that what Brian Gutekunst has done in the last two off-seasons is nothing short of remarkable. And I know there are going to be a lot of fans who say, well, it just proves how deep a hole Ted Thompson put this team in when he was ultimately replaced. And sure, I think you can have that perspective. And I think it's fair to say that when he was demoted, this roster was not where it is now. But who knows what would have happened in the last two off-seasons. We, we can't know because maybe Ted Thompson, who had been signing free agents, would have been a little bit more aggressive. Maybe he would have been more effective with his 2018 draft class than Brian Gutekinds was. We don't know is the point. Now, the problem I have with the attitude of some Packer fans right now is a little bit deeper than that because 
It is revisionist history about what happened last year. Green Bay went into the offseason with a new coach and with, with money to spend in free agency. And what they did was go out and sign the two best pass rushers in free agency. And by the way, they turned into two of the best pass rushers in the NFL last year, even though they hadn't been that at previous stops. We cannot forget that. He also went out and signed Adrian Amos, who turned into one of, if not the most reliable defenders on this team, and signed Billy Turner, a guard who became a reliable starter who played basically every snap in 2019. He also, in the first round, traded up for Darnell Savage, who turned into an impact rookie. Same for Elton Jenkins, impact rookie, and they love Jace Sternberger. They think Kingsley Kiki can be a good player. There are all of these positions where Green Bay is fortified now because of the moves Brian Gutekinds made. And there are still fans upset at the lack of movement on receivers the last few years. And I understand it. There are a lot of fans mad about the the lack of movement at the trade deadline to bring in pieces. Here's the thing. In 2018, when Brian Goodikins took over, he tried to sign Allen Robinson. He decided, Robinson did, to go play for the Bears, reportedly turning down offers for more money elsewhere. Green Bay also was in on Sammy Watkins, and oh, by the way, they were in on Khalil Mack. This last year at the trade deadline, they were in on playmakers, including Robbie Anderson, not able to get the deals done. Just because they didn't snag someone doesn't mean they didn't try. And it's not fair to just say, well, they should have done everything they could to get them. You mean like trading a second round pick for a receiver in his 30s who can't really play anymore and be effective for you? Because if you want Mohamed Sanu, ask the Patriots how that worked out. For them, the value of these situations always matters. And Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and that front office did not see the value. I also want to rewind for a second. You go back to Matt LaFleur coming in. He comes in and looks at the talent of these receivers. He sees Equinemia St. Brown. He sees Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He sees Devontae Adams. Right there, that's enough. Those are three really talented, young Players, MBS and EQ, each coming off promising rookie seasons. And MBS in particular, demonstrating the kind of deep ball ability that is a perfect fit in Matt LaFleur's offense. And oh, by the way, we saw that work the first half of the season. Geronimo Allison coming back from injury when Matt LaFleur cut on the tape, he would see Geronimo Allison making plays before his injury in 2018. It would have been tough to predict he would come back and be not just a shell of his former self, but an absolute disaster. I mean, last year was the worst year of Geronimo Allison's career, including his rookie season as an undrafted free agent when he was barely playing. I mean, at least then he wasn't on the field enough to hurt the team. That regression was not predictable. Every offseason report, oh, MBS is ready to take the leap. Everyone's saying the nicest things about him. He's the guy. He's going to be the number two in this offense, the big play threat. And it just never happened. It wasn't bad process for the Packers to feel like a new coach was going to make it easier on these receivers. You have Devontae Adams. And then the the picks that they made, who are you going to unpick? 
Darnell Savage, Alton Jenkins, Jay Sternberger? Are you going to unsign the Smith brothers? And the NFL basically all agreed there wasn't a receiver worth taking at 12. So there was Sean Gary Point, who, by the way, is going to have to play 40-plus percent of snaps this year with Kyler Fackrell likely out of the picture. Who, Where was the move that they made that you would replace with a receiver, and what was the move that would have been better? These are questions that fans rarely have answers to and and critical media members rarely have answers to. It's just, oh, well, they should have done this. Oh, well, they they should have seen this coming. Well, why? Why? Because you're naturally pessimistic and that's just your perspective on everything and and nothing is is rosy and pretty and and the team sucks. They won 13 games last year. Where were the games where not having that that rookie receiver cost them a football game? Because it wasn't the NFC Championship game. Oh, yeah, by the way, they made it to the NFC Championship game. And without Devontae Adams and without that secondary receiver that that you so insist they need, they went 4-0 with Devontae Adams, including on the road, beating Dallas. Coming back to beat the Lions at home, throwing to the guy that was wide receiver 7 at one point in training camp. Now, Al Lazard turned into a good player. Green Bay didn't even know that at the time. Now, you can say that is a failure, but eventually they got it right. Eventually they gave him the reps, and they allowed him to earn his spot. They deserve credit for that as well. And the the metaphor I used to someone on Twitter yesterday was complaining about the, the offseason in 2019 to bring in all of the talent that they did to sign a coach to lead their team who was going to fundamentally alter the culture the way that he did, to have the draft that they did, And to complain that they didn't do enough is like ordering a hot fudge sundae and having it be delicious, but complaining that the caramel isn't salted caramel and you would have preferred salted caramel, just regular caramel. And this is delicious, but you know what? It should be salted caramel. And this this is, I just can't believe it. You just want to be mad about something. That's what it is. You just want to be mad. And you, and and more than that, you want to say, I told you so. That's what this is about. You want to be able to say, I said they needed a receiver. They didn't get one. I was mad about it. And now I was right. Except you weren't right. The offense was top 10 in the first year of a new system, a top five rush offense, 11th adjusted for schedule passing, and they went 13 and three. And even if you want to say, okay, they they won some close games that maybe they shouldn't have won, this was a 10-11 win football team. This was not luck. This was not some fluky 8-8 team that, that won a bunch of games they had no business winning. This was a really good football team that had some really quality wins. They beat the Vikings twice, a playoff team, including once on the road where they absolutely dominated them. Okay? This is, I understand the dissonance of winning in a different kind of way. And the understanding that Rodgers is not the same player that he used to be. And, and that, that is part of this where a lot of people don't want to recognize Rodgers is not the same guy. And so it has to be the receiver's fault. And that's everything. And if they had just had some better players, Rodgers would have been the MVP. And he would have been Patrick Mahomes and et cetera, et cetera. And that's just not true. There were guys open. Plenty of guys open all season. 
and Rodgers missed more than his fair share of throws. Now, just because guys were open doesn't mean that they were open in the right kind of way. It doesn't mean they were open on time, and it doesn't mean they were doing the things that they needed to do. But the point is, this was not fundamentally a problem of talent. The difference is now, in the offseason, you get to say, how can this team get better? That, that difference in perspective is important. How can this team get better? And the answer is linebacker. The answer is that secondary receiver, that playmaker there, and defensive line. They could also use a, a future at offensive tackle on the right side, even if they sign Brian Bulaga. And then depth from there. Probably need another pass rusher for depth, another corner just because you always need corners, and another tight end. If you came out of the offseason with that, you'd be in good shape. But that doesn't mean that they had glaring weaknesses or that somehow the Packers made this grievous error last offseason. Oh, they didn't get another receiver. Oh, they could have had this guy. Who, who, who could they have had? This is the same question I'm asking those who think that the Packers desperately need to sign these players in free agency. Okay, who are they going to sign? Who's the defensive lineman they're going to sign this offseason that's going to move the needle? Who's the linebacker they're going to sign for a reasonable price this offseason who's going to move the needle? Who is it? You can't just say, oh, they have to do this. No. What are the options? And this is the point about what happened last offseason. They decided to make additions at places where they were woefully lacking, where they had no long-term plan, pass rusher, safety, guard. They have Devontae Adams. They had Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Jones, these offensive players. And they have, by the way, Aaron Rodgers. And so the idea that they could have had these young players and they could have developed and been something and Geronimo Allison would pick up where he left off and MVS would take the next step the same way a lot of fans think Alan Lazard is just, he's going to take the next step because that's what players do. Well, MVS didn't. And EQ got hurt. And Jay Sternberger got hurt. And they didn't get the opportunity to produce in this offense. That happens. I, what, I, what I will not stand for is the revisionist history. It's just, it's, it's, it's garbage. It's just not true. It's an, it's an ahistorical accounting of what happened. And, and if you think that they made a mistake, then make the case that they could have done something else that they didn't do that would have been better. And that's, that is a long road when the team went 13-3 and three, engineered a paradigmatic shift in culture and in direction and got back on track, won a playoff game, won the NFC North, and was, you know, a couple long runs away from a Super Bowl. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store 
Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's finish up the ultimate division crossover, at least our look at the teams in the NFC North division with the NFC North division champion, the Green Bay Packers, the worst 13 and three team in history, guys. That's what I was told all year. <laughs> so let's I, I actually want to start with that because I, I think this is fascinating. There there is absolutely a case for the Packers regressing in 2020. I do not think they will win 13 games. They will not be as healthy. They will not be as good in close games. But I want to start with Luke because at the end of the year, I heard this a lot, and I'm not sure it's necessarily even wrong that the Vikings, whose advanced numbers and a lot of statistics back this up, that they were just a better team despite the fact that they lost to Green Bay twice. From a talent standpoint, it's hard to argue that Minnesota is more talented. Did you feel like at the end of the year, you know, despite how both seasons ended, that the Vikings were really the better team? I think a way to put this is um, like that take, and I, I saw that take around too, and it is difficult to like reconcile that with the fact that the Vikings put out their two worst offensive performances by a pretty large margin yeah. against the Packers, and then there was the one Bears game. Uh, but I, I think if you say put the Vikings and Packers against you know the same neutral situation, that on average, the Vikings would do better. You know, if they both played Mm -hmm. like the Lions in Detroit, on average, the Vikings would do better. But it's also difficult to reconcile that because both of our seasons ended with exactly the same (laughs) 17-point loss to San Francisco. (laughs) We're two teams in kind of the same position. So I I wouldn't say that that take is like crazy ridiculous, uh, but I definitely see the arguments against it, and I would probably call it a lot more even than that. Yeah, it, it does seem like that they were they were pretty even. Matchups matter too, right? I mean, this is this is a matchup league. You can you can be the better team. There were people that thought Seattle was better than Green Bay, and yet the Packers were up three touchdowns in that game uh, for for a lot of it. So the the matchup part is interesting, and and that's why the the Packers and the Bears part, where with with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, the last few years the Packers have played the Bears extremely tough. Even in a down year last year, the Packers went. Uh, and got a win against the Bears in the Bears' best season in a while. Lauren, from your standpoint, with with the Bears and their talent, do you do you feel like the matchup is is good for you guys because of what the defense is able to do? Because the defense has played well against this Packers offense really for years. Well, it it seems like it, just, especially with the Packers, it always comes back to what the Bears can do offensively, and that has been yeah. very little for the last. Maybe my entire lifetime, but at least the, at least the last few years, <laughs> and it's I mean it's a sore spot for Chicago Bears fans. It feels like it's 
it, even though the the rivalry, I think, in wins and losses hasn't been as one sided in in the recent years, it still it still feels like every time the Bears play the Packers, it's can the Bears keep up with Green Bay? Can the Bears score on this Packers defense? And can Mitchell Trubisky or whoever's going to be under center be able to work against Mike Pettin? And and I think Pettin's done a good job of really getting in Mitchell Trubisky's head to the point where he's mm-hmm. seeing ghosts the way Sam Darnold admitted to on the sidelines of his Monday Night Football game where he was mic'd up. I think a lot of that was happening to Mitchell Trubisky, and I think as long as it's the Pettin versus Trubisky matchup, I'd... I don't like the Bears' chances of being able to put points on this Packers defense, especially with just the way all of the Packers' free agent signings and, and additions this last offseason really seem to pan out, at least the big important ones, including the former Bear, Adrian Amos, who I, I think the Bears fans are starting to look back just a little bit with like, well, it would, maybe maybe it would be nice to have him right now rather than having to either pay HaHa Clinton Dix more money and have a, a, a poor matchup with with Eddie Jackson or try and find some other replacement to just be the new Adrian Amos. It, it all kind of worked out in, in all the right ways for the Packers last season. None of those Bears fans are in my mentions for the record. Um, it, it is interesting too, because the, you, you mentioned this matchup with Mike Patton. It is always been, and, and has been at, at the very least in a pronounced way, the last two years, Mike Patton's uh, ideology that he is going to dare you to run the ball. He's going to play small and dare you to run the ball. And and someone like Kyle Shanahan is is like, bet, let's go. And Matt Nagy does not want to run the ball. So it feels like that part of the matchup for the Packers, there is this alignment of, well, the Bears want to throw it 50 times, even if they have Mitch Trubisky, which I, I don't know if that's the worst idea just from a, a purely philosophical standpoint. But the Packers have this really good matchup with Mike Patton and uh, Matt Nagy, and, and that is uh, just an interesting thing to to keep an eye on moving forward. It, it could ultimately be Matt Nagy's downfall in Chicago, and I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. But if they can't if they can't do anything this year, I don't know. It it is striking to me that he's been unable to solve the Mike Pettin riddle when it when it doesn't seem that hard for some other teams, frankly. Um, from from the Lions standpoint, Matt. Um, I mentioned earlier in the week that that the Lions played the Packers the toughest. They came out in that first matchup at, at in Green Bay and and jumped on the Packers, and they did the same thing in Detroit. Is is it seems like to me anyway, and and you you can correct me if I'm wrong that this idea that the Lions are sort of the little brother. The Packers owned them for years that once the the Lions a few years ago got those wins that win in Lambeau to get the monkey off their back. I mean, it had been 20 plus years since they'd won in Lambeau that it seems like now Packers fans at least view the Lions a little bit more on an even plane. I don't I don't know what the perspective is from the other side. I'll, I'll say this, Pete, about, about Detroit's perspective. Ownership kept Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn around. And I think they looked at those two Packer games and said, we are closer than our fans think we are. Mm-hmm. And some of the experts think we are because we went into Lambeau, got robbed and jobbed by the officials on the Trey Flowers calls, yep. should have won that game. And then week 17 playing for nothing, nothing, and playing with scrubs and fourth stringers and, and, and guys off the street, you know, they took a double-digit lead over a Green Bay team playing for, for playoff seating. So... The Lions' ownership uses those Packer games as this measuring stick. So, yeah, so the last couple of years, the Lions have played the Packers really well, but unfortunately those games haven't had that much meaning for Detroit, <laughs> which is which is too bad. The game at Green Bay this year, you're right, though. That was early in the year. Stafford was rolling, and the Lions looked like they were turning the corner, and then 
you know, the, the rug got, got pulled out from underneath them. Some of it was officiating. Some of it was their own doing and getting too conservative defensively. And, and Rodgers brought him back. I, I'm with you, Pete. I know we'll talk about it tomorrow. I, I do see a regression with the Packers. Um, you know, while the games were entertaining, your Twitter war with TJ Lang is entertaining. Uh, I, <laughs> I view Green Bay and Detroit as playing probably two close games again this year, too. I think the Lions will be better. Yeah. And I'm with the thing about the Packers that, that impresses me is the, those Smith brothers, and I know they're not related, but those two guys are, are just exactly what Detroit doesn't have. It's kind of ironic. You look at, at Chicago and the pass rush there. We talked about Daniil Hunter in Minnesota. Then you got the Smiths in Green Bay. Man, it would be nice this year if in Detroit we talked about Trey Flowers and Deshaun Hand the same way as we talk about those guys, uh, Preston and Zadarius in Green Bay, because those guys changed a lot, in my opinion, on, on how the Packers played this year. And let me let me ask you about that, because um, the Lions have some decisions to make along the defensive front in free agency. And one name that has come up among Packer fans on their uh, desirable list is a Sean Robinson. Is he someone that is is part of the long term future in Detroit? Are they going to are they going to give him the bag to stay? I, I don't know. You know, it's funny. Bob Quinn usually lets free agents that were not his draftees walk away. Uh, there's hardly any Martin Mayhew guys left. Maybe Stafford, Sam Martin, actually Martin May, uh, Millen was a Stafford guy, but um, uh, Stafford, Don Muehlbach, and um, Sam Martin, really, and they might let their punter walk, too. So, Ashawn Robinson's interesting. The, the, when Snacks Harrison first got there two years ago, Ashawn flourished. Last year, you barely knew Ashawn was on the field. Mm-hmm. He needs to change the scenery, in my opinion, but if the Lions let him walk, they're very shorthanded at D-line and interior D-line with, with injuries. Snacks may retire. Yeah. Um, Daniels, I think, is, is going to, if he comes back, it's going to be on much less money than he made last year. So, I, I don't know. I think I'm 50-50 on Ashawn coming back. Uh, but if Green Bay likes him and, and, and offers him more money, I think he'll be gone. Well, you mentioned the, the flourishing next to, to Snacks Harrison, who was at that time, closer to his physical prime, you put him next to Kenny Clark and and have Zadarius or Preston Smith on the other side of him. Now all of a sudden teams have to single block him. That It's a, certainly a situation where I think he would be in a much better position to succeed. The, your, your point about the two close Lions games, we talked about the regression with the Packers. If there is a, a reason to believe that that they could regress, it is that they won two close games against the Lions. They won... A, a single score game against the Vikings and one against the Bears or two against the Bears, including one that that needed a last second interception in the end zone and uh, a non flip in the second Packers Bears game at the end of that. Um, you know, if you lose two of those games, all of a sudden you're looking at an 11 and five team versus a 13 and three team. So just the fact that this this division is so close, is so competitive is reason enough to think the Green Bay Packers could regress in 2020. We're going to be back tomorrow to take a holistic view of the NFC North, go around and and make some predictions, look into our crystal balls and see what we can see about what could be the most competitive division in the league next year. This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs. And now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. 
and over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with the wrap-up of our Ultimate Crossover podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these. I think it's been useful to get some context. You know, the, the Packers don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in a league. 16 teams in the conference, 32 teams in the league, and and four total teams in the division. So how the Packers stack up to their division and, and what's going on around them all relates to what they're doing. And so I think getting a perspective from other teams on what the Packers are, what they aren't, and what they need to be is interesting. So uh, I, I, I appreciated having that chance to talk to those guys today. We'll do it again tomorrow. And we'll get back to it next week. Our our linebacker offseason report card series. I have a lot of thoughts about this linebacker draft. About this linebacker free agent group. So a lot to get to there. And we're going to keep rolling. We are just a few short weeks away from the NFL Combine. In fact, two weeks from today, I believe. If my math is okay on that. Uh, things will kick off in Indy. So we'll have some more draft discussions. We didn't get a, a draft conversation this week because we did this ultimate crossover, but we absolutely will get some the next two weeks and and, and even after that as we push towards the NFL draft. I want to get some, some NFL writers on here to talk about free agency as well. And, and remember, when free agency opens, we will have emergency podcasts, breaking news podcasts, when and if stuff happens with the Green Bay Packers and, and who they're going to sign and, and everything going on there. So keep an eye out for that as well. That's a month away right now, a little bit over. So just a reminder. Another reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find it Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.